Good morning and happy new year. Great to gather as brothers and sisters in Christ one day before the new year, right? I can't believe we're here, but here we are. Um, Real quick, before we move into our passage today, I wanted to kind of give us a preview of where the pulpit of this church is going. So here in a minute, we're going to do a standalone sermon from the book of Deuteronomy that's going back from before Advent. We've been in the book of Deuteronomy, right? And then in January, as we've done for the last few years, we are going to be in the book of Psalms together. The reason why we're doing that, think of 1 Peter 5, 2, shepherd the flock among you, is because it seems like, it feels like, for whatever reason, in the life of our church, and I'm sure we're not the only church, this is the case, but post-holidays, January, is a time of honestly, like deep suffering for a lot of people whether that's post-Christmas disillusionment, whether it's the never-ending darkness of rain of Oregon, relational hurts, whatever it is, January is acutely difficult for a number of us. And so we want to hear from God's word in the book of Psalms and hear from the honesty and the grace-filled truth that we're going to see in that book. So January, we're gonna be in Psalms. Then after January, we're gonna pick back up in Deuteronomy and we'll finish our series uh, through Deuteronomy by the end of February. So just kinda wanted to give you a preview of where we're going and why. Today though, hope you have a Bible in front of you, whether on a screen or page in front of you, turn over to Deuteronomy chapter five. We're going to look at verses 12 through 15, Specifically, we're going to look at the fourth commandment, the word to keep the Sabbath day. We're going to see what this meant for God's people in the Old Testament and what it means for us now. And I hope you're going to agree with me by the time we're done that God's word is going to speak into our restlessness, our busyness, our hurriedness, our discontentment, and into our exhaustion. So as you hear me say that, I wonder like what each of you brought to church with you right now. If you could see an icon on top of each other's heads with like your fuel meter, how many of you are running on low, right? Maybe you're running into the red on the RPM on your dashboard, right? You're feeling exhausted. And I bet if you're really honest, for many of you, that's not only a physical exhaustion. It's an exhaustion that like comes from somewhere deep inside of you, whether it be emotionally or spiritually or all of it. Like you came to church today, if you're being really honest, I'm glad you're here, but like you're white knuckle gripping it, right? You're barely hanging on to end this year, okay? And if that's you, I'm right there with you. So I get that, all right? So what we want to ask ourselves to kind of come to the text with the, the right posture and to hear from the Lord uh, today in our text is why is this? Why does it sometimes feel like everyone around us talks about how busy and exhausted they are, right? Have you ever noticed that? How are you? Within the first 15 seconds, you're going to hear the word busy, hurry, something like that, right? And really underneath that, What's really going on is how restless we're all prone to be. Why is that? There's a multitude of factors, but I bet you'd agree with me, unique to our time and place, in our cultural moment, so to speak, like technology and the vibe in the air is not helping in any kind of way, is it? Think about 
the supercomputer you have in your pocket with you right now, the smartphone, it like lies to you. It tells you all the time that you should always be available, that you should always be doing something really cool, just like everybody else is, right? Or you're not important. And it should tell you, like, for those of you who have a job, you should always be working, always producing, right? That probably doesn't help the restlessness that many of us feel often. Maybe a restlessness, it's hard to put words to, but it's there. But I want to share this with you briefly before we dive into our text. Did you know that study after study has proven there is zero correlation between busyness and productivity? In fact, these studies prove once you work about 50 hours in a week, your productivity actually decreases. Can I get an amen to that? I thought there'd be amens. Amen, all right. Okay, there was a study done in 2015. This is so interesting. There is zero difference, like not one percentage point difference between those who worked 70 hours in a week and those who worked 55 hours in a week. That's really interesting, isn't it? And yet again, our culture and many of the tendencies in our own hearts, it fuels the desire to always produce, to always be achieving to always be accumulating as if that's the ultimate measure of our worth. But we're going to see today, right on the pages of God's word, Sabbath rest speaks into these things from God's perspective. In the book, Finding Rest, Renewal, and Delight in Our Busy Lives by this author named Wayne Mueller, Mueller writes this, if we do not allow for a rhythm of rest in our overly busy lives, Illness becomes our Sabbath, our pneumonia, our cancer, our heart attack. Our accidents create Sabbath for us. I bet that resonates with many of you like it does me. That sometimes our Sabbath rest is forced upon us because we haven't prioritized restfulness in our lives. So today we're going to see in God's word, the aim, the argument we're going to see from God's word today is that there's a better way that there's a work and a rest underneath it all that supplies the true rest we long for. So look down with me now, look at God's word as you hear me read it aloud, Deuteronomy chapter five, verses 12 through 15. This is God's word. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Let's go to the Lord together in prayer before we begin. Father, we need you today. We come with great need and with great expectancy. We praise you for your faithfulness and your steadfast love. Through your spirit, fix our hearts on Jesus today. Open your word to us this morning and open us to your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
All right, we are going to consider two questions together today. First, what is Sabbath rest for them and then? And then the second question we're going to consider is what is Sabbath rest for us now? So first, what is Sabbath rest for them then? Again, for those that have been with us through our series in the book of Deuteronomy, we want to remember the scene and the setting as you heard Deuteronomy 5 read aloud. Remember, God's people are on the banks of the Jordan River ready to finally enter the promised land. And in Deuteronomy, we hear Moses preach a series of sermons applying the 10 words or the 10 commandments to the people in order to prepare them and charge them to flourish in the promised land that God has been preparing for them. That's the book of Deuteronomy, okay? And then by way of reminder, remember we've seen Deuteronomy, the Holy Spirit inspired Moses to write it. It's brilliant how it's constructed. The first five chapters are basically the history of Israel, the 10 commandments, and for the next 20 chapters or so before the concluding song and Moses goes up on a mountain and dies, those 20 chapters are just an exposition, an unfolding of the 10 commandments for God's people. All right, it's important we have the context in the back of our mind. Look down at the text in front of you. Notice all the verbs in verses 12 through 15 about the Sabbath day. It says Israel was to what? Observe the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. What did that mean? That meant they weren't to do any work on the Sabbath day, nor their servants, nor even their donkeys, right? To that degree. And then in verse 15, it says they were to do what? To remember. Remember they used to be slaves in Egypt, but that God had delivered them. So again, here Moses is restating, reconstituting the Ten Commandments to God's people. And here we see the fourth commandment being applied to them. So he's taking what's in Exodus 20, for those of you that know that, right? The giving of the Ten Commandments. And he's applying it here in Deuteronomy to God's people. For the sake of time, we won't do it. But you'd find it really interesting if you look back at Exodus 20, where the fourth commandment is first given, and here when it's reiterated in Deuteronomy 5, you would notice two really small but really significant changes or differences. Back in Exodus 20, the fourth commandment starts with, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. How does it start here? Again, just look at the Bible in front of you. If you come to GBC and you hear the word preached, you should come away with God's word is awesome and I saw it from the pages of scripture, whatever is said from this pulpit, okay? So look down at verses 12 through 15. Do you hear, do you see the difference between Deuteronomy 5 and Exodus 20? The verb remember, which is how it starts in Exodus 20, becomes keep or observe here in Deuteronomy 5. And then second, the bigger change is in the motivation for keeping the Sabbath. And that's really important. And again, if you have the scene or the setting in your mind as Moses is preaching this to God's people. The motivation for keeping the Sabbath day back in Exodus 20 was that it flowed from the order of creation. That the almighty sovereign God creator of the galaxies rested on the seventh day. That's what they were called to remember in Exodus 20. Here in Deuteronomy 5, 
the motivation, what they're called to remember is their identity and God's rescuing action, who they used to be and now who they are because of God, because of the God who delivered them, who rescued them. So Israel was called to observe the Sabbath day because of who God is as the creator and deliverer, and then because of who they were as creatures, as those who had been delivered. In all of this, like why the Sabbath for them and then? In all of this, across the Old Testament, the Sabbath day under the Old Covenant was the covenant sign for the people of Israel, right? And the fourth commandment to keep the Sabbath day, it was doing so many things, so many things. It highlighted God's goodness and it marked God's people as different compared to all the kingdoms and people groups all around them. Like just think of real quick, the historical context into which the fourth commandment is spoken to and then applied to God's people. Think of all the false gods of Egypt where they had just been delivered. All the false gods and the people of Canaan all around them, the promised land that they were going into. These false gods required labor without rest, didn't they? They required ceaseless sacrifices for the gods to bless the people. But then what does the God of Israel do? He commands his people to breathe, to rest. Like that's, that's amazing. There's so much here, but at this point, we have to ask ourselves. What does Sabbath mean biblically, okay? For instance, thinking of our context right here, when you hear the word Sabbath, some of you are coming off one of the best weeks of the year. Many of you call it the vortex week. Maybe you took all of it off of work or some of it, right? You hung out with family and friends, you ate food, you did nothing. Maybe you wore the same set of sweatpants for five days straight. I don't know, right? (laughs) Vortex weeks is is awesome. But the Sabbath is not necessarily just like vortex week, okay? So what does the Sabbath mean biblically? In summary, the word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew Shabbat, which basically means to rest, to stop, and even to delight. And this theme of rest, it's throughout the Bible. For those of you that are going to join us in our Bible read-through plan, watch it. You'll see it's one of the main tendons that holds the whole thing together from beginning to end. Remember, I already referred to Genesis 2-2 that the God of the universe rested. That's amazing. And then when you go all the way to the end of the story in Revelation chapter 14, verse 13, it says, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. They will rest from their labors. Rest matters to God. And the Sabbath day only highlights this reality. So in essence, the Sabbath day was a day for God's people to stop working in order to do something, to rest, but not a lazy rest like just stare at the wall. It was a purposeful kind of rest, a rest to be in tune with God, with his word and his ways, with his rhythms. And then across the Old Testament, I know we're drinking like from a fire hose right now, but that's okay. Across the Old Testament, the fullness of the Sabbath day 
carried with it three important characteristics. Like, listen to this. I I think it's beautiful. The Sabbath day can be understood as celebration, as rest, and as resistance. Have you ever thought about it in that kind of way? Creation meaning delight in God's goodness. Like how God rested on the seventh day and he saw that his creation was good. Rest as stopping to work, as laying down your work to remember who God is and who you are in light of that. And then resistance as being distinct from the exhausting norms and idols of the kingdoms and the cultures all around God's people. Resistance to the gods of this world and what they require for their blessing. A resistance as a worshipful response to the true God and to God's people's identity in him. So Sabbath as celebration, as rest, and as resistance. And yet, as you follow the story, as you follow like the redemptive historical story arc of the Bible, we start to see something coming, coming into clearer and clearer focus, don't we? That the Sabbath day and that entering into the promised land, the promised rest, didn't ultimately satisfy their desire for rest, did it? Think about it like this. Did God's people consistently keep the Sabbath day after this, after this command in Deuteronomy 5? Not at all. Like they failed miserably again and again and again. So what is the Sabbath pointing to? In other words, how does the Sabbath work in God's economy? Basically, in order to really ask our question or answer our question, we have to ask why. Not just what Sabbath was for them and then, but why for them and then. And as God's word answers that for us, and it does, it helps us see what Sabbath means and why it matters for us now. And that brings us to our second point today, the second question we're going to consider, what is Sabbath rest for us now? God's word is crystal clear. The Sabbath was anticipating, was pointing to something greater. And that something, the greater reality is that Jesus Christ is the ultimate fulfillment of Sabbath rest. The Sabbath like all of the law in the old covenant, finds its ultimate fulfillment in Jesus Christ. The Sabbath day is meant to point us to Christ as our great rest, our great salvation. And I hope like a question is bubbling up in your heart and your mind, especially for you young people. So glad to have you in service with us here today. How can the guy standing up there say that? How can I say that? For a few reasons, and one of the biggest is the book of Hebrews. We always wanna ask, right? Let God's word interpret God's word. How does God's word understand itself? Do this this week. Go into Hebrews chapter three and chapter four and watch it unpack this theme of rest and Sabbath. 
And those chapters are gonna drive home that our desire for deep rest really isn't satisfied in a day, in a Sabbath day, but in the person and work of Jesus Christ. We're gonna zero in real quick. Hebrews chapter four, it's talking about how the rest God's people were seeking in the Old Testament could never be realized through the Old Covenant. And the writer of Hebrews, tell me who that is sometime, I don't know. The writer of Hebrews calls as a witness, Psalm chapter 95. And the whole point you're gonna see the author of Hebrews make here in Hebrews 4, the whole point is that the Sabbath is showing us that Jesus Christ is the only way to find deep rest from our works. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 and 10 specifically say this. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. That's amazing. That's amazing. And then later in the same book, in Hebrews chapter 13, it's made clear. The fullness of this rest is still to come. It's still in the future when King Jesus returns and establishes the city to come. Okay, so that should be like a framework for us to help us answer our question. What is Sabbath rest for us now? When you boil all down, Sabbath rest for us now is obeying the Sabbath day by entering into the rest that the Sabbath day was pointing to the salvation rest of Jesus Christ. Because that shows us that true rest is only in Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, for the glory of God alone. It's not a rest you achieve, right? It's a rest that's been given to you by someone. As Christians on this side of the cross, we obey the Sabbath command by ceasing from our works. Just think about what that means. Ceasing from our works. Ceasing from our works of trying to justify ourselves. God says, lay that down. Rest. Ceasing from the work of trying to find our righteousness and our identity in what we're achieving, in our producing, in our accumulating, in even trying to find your identity in your work. God says, rest from that. Lay that down. Lay down our doing, right? Instead, we're to trust and follow Jesus now and then find deep soul rest, even as we wait for our eternal rest with him in all of eternity in the new heavens and the new earth. Like that's the story arc of rest from God's perspective. In Mark chapter two, verses 27 through 28, Jesus said this, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. That's saying a lot, a lot there. And part of what Jesus is saying there is that we as human beings, as creatures in our creatureliness are made for Sabbath were made for rest. I think you'd all agree with me. We know this, don't we? Like we know this in the deep fiber of our being. We know we need the principle of Sabbath rest because the rest 
that only the gospel provides is a rest that invades and animates like our whole life, okay? So we're all agreeing, yes, Sabbath rest only comes through the gospel and that flows into other areas of my life and man, I need it. That's what I'm designed for. And yet (laughs) there's a problem for a lot of us, isn't there? A contemporary author put it like this. I'm gonna share a short quote with you. I think it'll resonate with you like it has me. This guy writes, it's not as though we do not love God. We love God deeply. We just do not know how to sit with God anymore. I wonder if that's true in your life, if that resonates with you. Do you know how to sit with God? Or are you too restless inside to do that? maybe to even know that that's what you need. Sometimes I wonder, and and, and I'm uh, implicating myself in this too, right? Sometimes I wonder like if our busyness is only a way to mask our deep desire for rest, like our busyness is some sort of coping mechanism, right? And we all know like we do coping mechanisms because they do something for us, right? So we stay busy, to mask, to stuff the restlessness, even all the while longer, we get more exhausted and more restless. And all of this then begs the question for us as new covenant believers, meaning what is the Sabbath for us now? To put a point on it, how should the fourth commandment be observed by Christians today? Does it require that a specific day be set aside for Sabbath rest now? Some of you might be like, yeah, that's interesting. Some of you are like, Mike, we don't ask those kind of questions here in church because that's been argued about throughout church history. I know we're not going to solve this right now. Okay. And that's not my intent of where I'm coming from, but that is a real question. Okay. And as you think about that question, I'm making an argument to you today about Sabbath rest. As you consider that question, I want to draw your attention to two brief things in relation to it. First, in your Bible read-through, notice, in the New Testament, there is not one direct or indirect command for Christians to observe the Sabbath as a specific day of rest. Nine of the Ten Commandments are repeated in the New Testament in, in some kind of way, right? One is not. What's the one that's not? the fourth commandment, a day of Sabbath rest. And I'm saying day. And yet there are dear brothers and sisters in Christ who in good faith say, hey, as a new covenant believer, as a Christian, this side of the cross, I'm called to, I ought to, God wants me to practice a day of Sabbath rest. What all of that means for the life of this local church is we're to give one another grace in those things, in those lower tier issues of what it looks like to walk in the ways of Jesus in our time and place. Colossians 2, 16 and 17 speaks to this. It says, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are shadow of the things to come but the substance belongs to Christ. So the Sabbath day, if you're to practice Sabbath rest on a specific 24-hour period in a specific kind of way, right? That's a shadow. 
what we want to focus on, where the weight is, what we want to prioritize is the principle. And that's focusing on the shadow caster, Jesus Christ. So again, the point about Sabbath, I don't want you to walk away with, man, I heard a sermon about methods and how to be a better me in 2024. That is not what I'm saying. Please don't misunderstand me, okay? Right? We're focusing on a principle, not the method. And the principle of rest, that we're to rest in our lives because of Jesus Christ. So in other words, God's word clearly calls us to agree, no matter where you fall on that spectrum of Sabbath day rest or not, God calls us to agree that our good and gracious God has ordained regular rhythms of rest for those who trust and follow him. It's not about how you practice it on a certain day. It's how you live out of the rest of the gospel that's only found in Jesus Christ. Think about it like this. Being overly busy is often a way of you trying to pursue God-like status, right? Like you're omniproductive. But Sabbath rest rhythms, we need them because they become for us regular and timely reminders that we're not God, okay? We're not God. We all nod our heads to that, but do we live that, that kind of way? Our need for rest is not a flaw. It's a design feature by our good and gracious God. Because our need for rest highlights our lack, our limits, our dependence, our creatureliness, so that we rest in God. The old saint, Saint Augustine, said it like this. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. So pastorally, I want to appeal to you here. As we come to the beginning of a new year, 2023 is in the rearview mirror at this point, right? Whether you perfectly marked off every day in your Bible reading plan, whether you're a New Year's resolution kind of person or not, and you like, you crushed it this year, or maybe you just want to ignore all of that and focus on a new year, wherever you land on that, 2024, whether you do resolutions, revolutions, whatever you want to call it or not, it provides us with a new opportunity. And I think we'd be missing an opportunity if we didn't lean into this in a specific kind of way. Again, not as a method, but as a way to like appropriate gospel rest in our real lives right now. If you were to look back at Hebrews 4, those verses I read to you right after in verse 11, right after it's talking about Jesus is the only true rest we need. Hebrews 4.11 says, therefore, let us strive to enter that rest. That's like counterintuitive and ironic, right? It's only the rest in Jesus. Therefore, strive to enter that rest. And so it's that posture I want us to consider a few things together today. What can gospel rest, Sabbath rest, look like in your life more in 2024 than maybe it did this last year? And I'm going to encourage us to consider this in just a few brief ways. First, be a member of of a word-centered and gospel-driven local church. (laughs) Prioritize being a real part of the local church because regular rhythms of a faithful church 
through those regular rhythms, you're going to be reminded and refreshed often with a deep rest that's only found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. You want to experience more rest in your life? Do what the Bible says. Don't forsake the gathering of the saints, which is also in the book of Hebrews. Our world promises you that the rest you really need is just over that next horizon, right? Like if you just work a little bit harder this year, maybe just enough to accumulate a little bit more, maybe get that third home for your family, maybe to kind of build up your stock portfolio a little bit, (sighs) that's when you can rest. But that's a lie. You will only be on the treadmill of always trying to chase more rest in that next horizon and you'll never achieve it. You'll just only get more and more restless, more and more exhausted. Do you know what this dynamic is like? I think you'd all agree with me. The world around us and our sinful hearts inside of us always move the goalposts of rest. It's always just right there. I need to do something more, be something better in order to experience that deep rest that we crave. But that's a lie. We can't keep putting off the rest we need, can we? we the world tells us it's out here. God's word, as you lean into Sabbath rest, gospel rest, the rest you long for, the rest you need, it's right in front of you. It's right here, right now. It's in the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you know what's amazing? Is that as you start to abide in that rest more, you lay some of these other things down and you drink from the deep, satisfying well of the gospel. As you do that more and you rest more and more in him and you delight more and more in who God is and who you are in view of that, you're going to start to experience a deep rest in your life, a deep rest of the soul. And then do you know what happens? Like, I'm not just talking like Oprah spiritual ease right now, okay? You lean into gospel rest and do you know what happens? That rest starts to flow into the rest of your life like a stream overflowing its banks. You can't help but be more restful as you rest in Jesus because there's a rest underneath your rest. And that rest is the work of Jesus Christ. Second encouragement for us to grow in gospel rest, engage with the Bible reading plan here at GBC. I'm not saying that in a check the box, legalistic kind of way. I'm saying life's short, eternity's long. You need Jesus. God's awesome. Why would you not, (laughs) right? Like think about what could happen in the life of this church. If many of us are in the same part of scripture together, it's like seeding the clouds in the culture of our church as we're reminded of God's rhythms over and against the rhythms we're drawn to in our sinfulness, in our codependencies. Like, what could that do in us? How could that form us in a certain kind of way? To abide in God's word in a purposeful kind of way is abiding in the life-giving well of God's word. And that's critical for each of us to be reoriented and renewed with God's rhythms rather than the rhythms of this world. Third, enjoy, celebrate, delight in God's goods good gifts. When you hear Sabbath rest, that's not just hyper spiritual mumbo jumbo. God is a good God. He created us as physical beings, didn't he? 
and he's given us good gifts to enjoy. And those gifts are like little windows that we get to peer into and experience the sunlight of God's rest breaking through into our lives. This means that part of a rhythm of experiencing Sabbath rest in your life is that you slow down long enough to enjoy your ordinary life with God in your physicalness, right? In your right nowness. So my pastoral encouragement to you, you can like talk about it as a family. The pastor told me to do this, right? Do things that are life-giving for you, that glorify God, because Sabbath rest, some of you are going to hear this, like you think heaven is like you playing a harp on the clouds for all of eternity. You're going to hear Sabbath rest, boring, not at all. Do you know what Sabbath rest should include? Eating good tacos, like finding the best smash burger around Portland to the glory of God, like lean in to Sabbath rest. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right. So I'm serious, like lean into God's good gifts in the way that he has designed you experience God's creation. Go on a hike, explore Mount Hood or the gorge, wherever like makes you focus on God's godness. Enjoy a hobby that's restorative to you, not in a selfish kind of way, but in a way that's life-giving. God created us as physical beings. We are not Gnostics. God's good. He made us physical for a reason. Lean into that. Experience Sabbath rest as a Christian in 2024. And side note, you find the best smash burger in Portland, please let me know and I will go enjoy that and enjoy Sabbath rest with you, okay? All right. What's amazing too, as you lean into Sabbath rest in this kind of way, Sabbath rest with Jesus, I said this earlier, but I just wanna drive this point home. You're going to start to enjoy God's gifts to you even more. You're gonna enjoy that taco in all its taco-ness. You're not going to miss out on any joy as you lean into the rest of the gospel because in each of those things are in their proper place in your life. You're not looking for your work to satisfy you in ways it's not designed to. You're not looking for food to do that or even your relationship with your spouse, the most intimate relationship to do that. You can really enjoy God's good, good gifts as you lean into Sabbath rest. That's the rest of Jesus Christ. Fourth, there's fourth and fifth. Fourth, cultivate habits of Sabbath rest in your work life. Brothers and sisters in Christ who have a job, work was made before the fall, but work is cursed. This side of Genesis, Genesis 3, right? In light of that, you have to lay down your work at times and rest in God's work. Because if you don't, you will experience burnout. If you think, yeah, that applies to everyone else and not me, you are going to be going against the grain of God's design and you're going to get deep splinters in your soul is basically what's going to happen, okay? If you're not able to lay down your work, I would lovingly ask you to look in the mirror and ask why. Why can't you lay down your work? Because if that's you, maybe you're seeking things from your work that it's not meant to give you, like your identity or your deep satisfaction. Maybe you have a codependent relationship with your work. And because of that, if you're not able to lay down your work, you could be sacrificing yourself or your family, just like the cultures around ancient Israel did, right? Sacrifice your kids to us 
That could be you. That could be the experience of your life if you're not laying down your work life to rest in God's work for you at certain times. Think about it like this. No matter what your job is, and so many of you, God's blessed with like awesome jobs, okay? But your job didn't die for you, did it? And if it did, do you know the only time it would die for you? If you hit every quarterly metric and you were the best employee in the whole corporation, quarter after quarter, year after year, decade after decade, maybe then your job or your company would die for you. Do you know when Jesus died for us? When, when we were the worst employee, Christ died for us when we were still sinners. Like, why do you give your life to your job that didn't die for you rather than Jesus Christ? Fifth and lastly, how do we lean in more into gospel rest in 2024? I want to encourage us pastorally for those with kids. Those of you that are blessed to be parents in the life of our church, and in God's kindness, there's a lot of kids in our church. I want you to reflect on going into this year, parents, how are you discipling your children in gospel rest? Would your kids say the life of your family is better described as hurried or frantic or busy or restful? I encourage you to have a conversation with your kids about that. And whatever their answer is, what are the long game implications for their souls and your soul? And I want you to like hear my heart in this. I'm not trying to like um, have condemnation come on us from this pulpit. I'm not trying to bind our conscience in any way that scripture wouldn't support. Believe me, I'm all for our kids being in activities. Our family would go crazy without some of them, okay? So I'm not saying don't do any of that. But it does seem like for many of us, it can get to the point, if we're being honest, that all of the activities are starting to control us. They're starting to exhaust us, to distract us and even our children from a life of really experiencing gospel rest. It's honestly like we're discipling them more into the ways of the world than into the ways of Jesus. If the good things we commit to consistently take us away from the best things that God has clearly called his people to be and to do, well, that's going to have implications it's going to have consequences in our lives, isn't it? So parents, let me lovingly encourage you in 2024 to create a schedule and habits and rhythms for your family that intentionally builds in margin and rhythms for gospel rest. Don't exhaust your family trying to seek the rest that just you can't quite attain. Instead, like downshift and slow down and lean into the rest of the gospel. Because sometimes what our kids need most is not another activity. And maybe it's like a really good activity, but maybe what they need most is to see Jesus so real and so beautiful in their parents' lives that their parents' lives look different because they trust and follow Jesus Christ because their priorities are more determined by God's priorities. So in all of this, and gospel rest applies in lots of different other ways, no matter where and how you need to grow in gospel rest, a key way we make progress is by asking ourselves, 
What do you need to say no to in order to say yes to God's ways and gospel rest in your life? I would encourage you to think about that, to pray about that as you move into 2024. And I want you to know just real briefly, like I'm in process and all this stuff too. And if you don't believe me, talk to Carrie. Okay, I am hugely in process in some of these things. You know what one of the deepest like threats of the life of full-time vocational ministry is? It's that it's the most important job in the world. It has eternal consequences. So the devil doesn't rest, so I can't rest. I shouldn't want to be like the devil, right? Like because the work's so important, I need to rest. And I'm so thankful like the elders of this church, we hold each other accountable on this. At least once a month, we ask each other, have you taken a day to rest? And none of us are perfect, but I want you to hear like from the leadership, from the shepherds of this church, rest matters in our lives. We're all in process. We're all seeking to make progress. It's not about perfection. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, we are so glad that you're here. And I'd ask you to consider in light of this that maybe the rest that you long for is pointing you to the only true, the only deep rest that will satisfy your soul. And that's the person and work of Jesus Christ. Because the rest Jesus offers is a costly kind of rest, isn't it? It's a rest that he purchased for us by going to the cross to secure it. The rest he offers you came at great expense to himself. So to enter into that deep rest that you were made for, that deep rest that you long for, you confess and repent of your sins and you trust and follow Jesus Christ. You have nothing to offer Jesus but your need of him. That's how you enter the rest of Jesus Christ. So as we close, I want to leave us with this. In the context of Jesus talking about the Sabbath, he extends this invitation to us them and to us now. Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. These are the words of Jesus Christ. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Are you exhausted? Are you restless? Come to Jesus today. He is gracious and gentle, and he will graciously give you deep rest. So I hope you'd agree with me We've seen from God's word today that there's a better way, that there's a rest underneath our rest that supplies the true rest we long for. And that's the person and work of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we praise you for the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the rest that's only found in you, for the rest we're designed for, created for. We confess and repent, Lord, that we are far too easily pleased with lesser rests, seeking those will satisfy. I pray that you will renew in us, strengthen our desire, deepen it, Lord, for you. 
to abide with you in the deep rest you provide, the security you provide, the salvation you provide, Lord, that we will be enjoying forever and ever for all of eternity. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.